This is the Child Discipleship Podcast. My name is Ross Cochran, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening the day the episode comes out, happy Thanksgiving. If you are listening any other day, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Today's guest is Jared Lopes. Jared is the founder of Dad Tired, a ministry that might have the best name of any ministry I've ever heard. He and I spoke a while ago about his passion for the gospel and for helping men embrace what it means to be a father. And we started the conversation talking about his book, Dad Tired and Loving It, which is linked in the show notes. You'll hear more about the book from Jared next. And thank you again for listening to the Child Discipleship Podcast. You know, there's so much content that we put out as far as like, you know, podcasts and videos and conferences and stuff. I just wanted, if I could boil it all down into like one thing, I wanted to put it in a concise, really easy to read book. I think one of the, probably the most um, thing, I'm the thing I'm most proud of when people leave reviews that say, I've never read a book or a wife that says, I've never seen my husband read a book in his life. And the fact that he's reading this book and he finished it is just like, I'm like, man, that, that means a ton of me. I wrote it because I don't really read a ton. Sure. To be honest, and I wanted it to be for guys who are like, I don't have time to, I'm a tired dad. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have time to read a whole book. So um, anyway, that's why. No, I that's great. It. So the part of what I feel like I get from your community and that is so refreshing to me is that I feel like the conversation around parenting is pretty broken and it's broken in different ways for guys than it is for women because for moms, it's, you know, they have to somehow be a full-time working mom and a full-time stay-at-home mom and do all of these things. And the conversation around guys is more like, hey, did you show up? Good job. You did it. You did the thing. Right. And, but what's been more frustrating to me is seeing how the conversation around guys is like, man, parenting's the hardest thing in the world. Like, good luck. Right, right. When for me, yeah, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. But it, yeah. it has never, there's never been anything remotely close to the amount of joy that I get from just seeing my kids exist in the world. Yeah. So I'm curious, when you think about the dad community you're serving, are you starting with trying to spread some of that joy? Are you starting with just trying to meet dads where you're at? Or how do you begin to, to use my words, fix the broken conversation? Well, the, the tagline of our community and of the book is dad tired and loving it. Um, and, and that's really, I think all guys feel that like I'm exhausted. I mean, you can see the bags under my eyes. I've probably increased <laughs> the amount of gray hairs on my head, you know, 10 times since I, tenfold since I had kids. I use this mic just so you can cover up the gray in my beard. Yeah, so. yeah dude, I, I shaved a little bit this morning, trimmed up, mm-hmm. so I have so much gray. But yeah, man, so it's dad tired and loving because there's so many dad, like there's a lot of ministries out there for guys. Um, and you, if you just go the, the man route, like let's just talk to you as a man. Well, a lot of guys are like, all right, I... I already know what you're going to say. Like I probably should step up as a dude and I'm, I'm failing. And I know I'm failing. So I, I, there's kind of a sense of shame just going into the conversation Sure. When you're talking about just being a man. And then you have conversations about, okay, well, let's talk about marriage then. And a lot of guys are like, well, do I, okay. I also know I'm failing there. Like I'm not as good of a husband as I should be. And I should probably do more. And my wife, 
I, I heard somebody say this one time, and I, I think a lot of guys agree with it. Like, I know my wife loves me, but I don't think she likes me. Mm. And so a lot of guys are just like, I don't even want to be have that conversation. But you talk about dads, and I have yet to meet a man who is in his normal frame of mind and says he doesn't want to be a good dad, sure. right? Like everybody wants to be, every man wants to be a good dad. Most guys feel like they're not being as good of a dad as they know they could, but at least the conversation feels pretty non-threatening because everyone, every guy's like, no, man, I, I, I might fail in a bunch of other areas, but I don't want to fail my kids. Like I want to figure this whole thing out. So, um, and the, the tagline of the book is actually dad tired and loving it, stumbling your way to spiritual leadership. And that's where I feel like all of us are at. Just like, dude, we're all stumbling to try yeah. to figure this whole thing out. So that's, that's, uh, you know, you must host a podcast cause that's where I sort of wanted to bring the conversation next. And I wanted you to say the subtitle because what I appreciate the most about that is not only the clear humility posture that you take to not sound like some of those, you know, male seminars that, uh, people get, get, um, brought into, but also that it is inherently more inviting from my context. My wife and I are foster parents and one of the things that I realized often was that I was the only guy in the room or, mm. or I was the only guy in the room that wanted to be there. Mm. And as a result, I had to really begin to sort of preach to the choir of the women that were there of your husbands need to be in this for yeah. those who are in those kinds of relationships, because the demons that these kids have, a lot of them are men yeah. and we have, and your husband has to understand that there's going to be a different relationship between the two of you with the children that you bring into your care. I think about the community you're serving, you're not necessarily, you are reaching what I would argue is a more of a mainstream dad conversation. I would imagine, in addition to just hearing about dads who finish a book, you're also getting stories about dads who go from a place of feeling like they're not very good to recognizing the way that God has gifted them as a father. How have, how have you seen that evolution play out in your community? Um, yeah, dude. So I, you know, guys come into the community and they get encouraged and they're like, you know, I, I should step up as a man. The thing that I always say is like, I, I think that we, I say this at the end of every conference that I teach at, um, and es especially every dad tired conference. Um, I say, I brought you in the front door because I knew we were going to talk about, or you thought we were going to talk about dads, which we did. And then we talked about marriage and you as a man and all that. But at the end of the day, what I'm really trying to communicate is just the gospel. Like mm. we're, we're and the gospel is in my, there's so many ways you could um, define it. And I think uh, many accurate definitions, but the way that we say it around here is um, God should have bailed on you and he didn't like, that's the good news. Um, I mean, we all know, like, dude, I'm pretty jacked up. <laughs> even, even if you don't even take all the things I've done wrong or am doing wrong, you just take the things that I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, I'm a pretty jacked up dude. And, uh, and God should have left. And like that, you look at the very first pages of scripture, the Bible, I always say the Bible should be one page long. You can't even get past the second page where all of humanity just completely fails. Yeah. And God should have at that point said, I'm out. Like what? This is crazy. I'll go create humans somewhere else, but God sticks around. And that's the good news of the gospel. He says, I, not only am I going to stick around, but I'm going to take all this mess and I'm going to make it new. And so I just tell guys like, dude, I know you're feeling a lot of shame. I've dealt with tons of shame for stuff I've done and uh, decision I've, decisions I've made. And, it's, and the fact that God did not bail on me and he's not bailing on you is just the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. And if guys start to feel that, 
then they just become better dads and they become better husbands and they become better friends and workers. And so really, I just think we're a gospel ministry that kind of hides behind dad stuff. <laughs> I love that. Cause that's one of the things that I heard you say um, in preparing for this conversation that really resonated with me is this conversation around being a disciple because we, as dads, there's this expectation of us doing the thing. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, even just things where uh, probably outdated archetypes of bringing home the bacon, right? But I've had five different jobs before Awana. Let me start talking into a microphone. Um, and the job that I'm, that's been most important to me and most fulfilling and that I want to screw up the least out of all of the different jobs I've had is being a father to my two kids. Yeah. I'm curious when you probably are meeting dads also at a variety of age groups, but my guess is you're probably also interacting with dads who probably have a lot of teenagers or, or who are further along in the journey. Can you, to that community specifically, I wonder how that discipleship work that you're talking about, that gospel work that you're talking about plays out with folks who may feel like they've, they're too late or they've missed uh, the boat on that. How do you bring love to that group of folks? Yeah. Well, a couple of things. One is I don't want to claim to be any kind of expert. My oldest is 10. And so, okay. you know, I can't, I can't speak from experience here. And that, which is what, always what I want to do is actually speak from experience and not just theory. So in this particular question, I'm speaking from theory, things I hope will be true and principles I hope will be true, but um, not through my own personal experience. So I, uh, just take a bunch of grains of salt with everything <laughs> I say here for any audience listening with, with teenagers. Um, my hope is um, when I have, when my kids start to enter into those teen years, one, I hope that I've built some kind of foundation that allows them to understand the gospel at a deeper level. Now, I, I, I just talked to a dad last week who's like, man, I've got a 15 year old and boy, and we are like budding heads every day. And this is a dad like super intentionally. He's bought the book. He listens to the podcast. He's part of our family leadership program. And he's just like, he's a, he's an engaged dad and he's having a really, really hard time with his 15 year old. And a couple of things I, I told him were one at the most basic level, like, dude, just remember who you were at 15. <laughs> uh, and if you would have seen me at 15, you'd be like, not only is Jared not going to be in ministry, but I'm convinced he'll be in hell. Like, like yeah. uh -huh. dude is a bad kid, you know? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So just remember that Two. Um, God is sovereign. I believe this to the depths of my being that um, God knew you would be his dad at this time or her dad at this time before the creation of the world. And the Bible says that if the rocks or if, if people do not worship Christ, that the rocks and trees would proclaim his glory, meaning God can use whatever he wants to save your kids. And, and he doesn't need you but he wants to use you to be part of their journey of becoming more like him. And so I, like my, my wife was saved because God was prompting her heart. And she looked, this was when she was in college, she opened up a phone book back in the day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyone that can remember a phone book. And she just looked at churches and just said, I'm going to go to each church in alphabetical order until I find something that I'm looking for. And the first church she went to, somebody presented the gospel. She gave her life to Christ having zero church experience. So all that to say, if you have a teenager and you're just like, I haven't, I've lost control. Yeah. Um, God has not lost control. God can use rocks and trees. God can do whatever he wants and he will do 
whatever he wants to save your child. And so um, just know you have no power. You don't possess the power to save your kids, but God wants to use you in their journey. And so pray with desperation and discipleship is just continuing to be there over and over and over. It's not one big conversation. It's not a you know crazy camp experience. It's a dad that sticks around over and over and over again. And then we yeah. pray, God, save them. Yeah. Amen to that, man. I mean, if that's your talk on theory, I can't imagine when you actually know what you're talking about. It's a good <laughs> word. Because um, I think that the what is hidden beneath the sort of broken conversation around dads of like, uh, haha, you got tricked into having a kid is is a recognition of our own brokenness is a recognition of our own shame and is a recognition of this sort of i'm not good enough to parent this child yeah and when i feel that way i'm often reminded in the gentlest of terms from god of yeah you're not but that's why i'm here right. and being at the sort of i've described it of like we've been trying to disciple my kids since they were born but with my daughter like it just became like we actually stepped onto the field um, within the past nine months as she was turning five. Mm -hmm. And I think about, you know, we had a one and we talk about discipleship and of kids in this sort of this three B philosophy of how, you know, they have to feel like they belong, highly relational, believe deeply scriptural, and then they can become, which is highly experiential in the context of our own home though. It is a way messier experience yeah. because it is not this, it is a 24 seven kind of responsibility. And I'm curious, you know, your kids are, your oldest is 10 and how you've seen this play out, but more so how you've seen discipleship of dads and dads discipling their kids play out in the context of, of the community that you serve. Are you seeing this current moment that we're all living through this unprecedented time and all the other cliches that people want to throw at describing the years 2020 and 2021? Yeah. How are you seeing your dads to use a... <laughs> maybe a weird general general term of the people that you serve, um, discipling their kids in this moment? I think the, the first thing is we have to, for many of us, dismantle what we thought was discipleship. Mm -hmm. In church context, if you go to church and you, and you find a guy or a gal and you say, hey, um, you want to disciple, you want to be discipled or be part of a discipleship relationship, most people, I imagine, are going to think, okay, we'll meet on Tuesdays at Starbucks and we'll study some book. Yeah. Um, or go through the Bible or whatever. And that's just not how Jesus viewed discipleship. He didn't go to any disciple and say, hey, you want to meet, you know, at the <laughs> local tea shop and we'll go through the Torah right. uh, once a week. What Jesus said is, come follow me and then I'll make you a disciple. And and it's just, I mean, it's so messy. Like he, in his discipleship journey, a bunch of them left. Um, some One of the like closest disciples, Peter, he has to pull aside and says, basically, you're Satan. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's just super, super messy. And so the way that that translates for our kids is we think, OK, I want to disciple my kids. What church activities should I take them to? Mm. And or if I want extra credit, what should I read to them at night before bed? Or what should we study around the dinner table? All good things, mm -hmm. by the way, but just falling short of what true discipleship is. And so for what I'm telling the guys in our community is think of discipleship less in 15 minute increments. Like, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to read the Bible for 15 minutes and that's discipleship. That's awesome. Do it. But, but think less about that and more in 15 second moments. How many 15 second moments throughout a day can I point my son or daughter's eyes to Jesus, to the kingdom, to the ways of Jesus? 
Um, that's discipleship. And that's what Jesus did with his disciples over and over. Study the scripture and then make scripture come to life in real life as many times as possible throughout the day. Like that's, that's discipleship. Man, I love that. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Child discipleship is needed now like never before. We may look at the news and be tempted to despair. Fatigue and worry may feel like a constant weight around our hearts, especially as we consider all our children and grandchildren may face. Even in the U.S., we are experiencing unprecedented waves of aggressive secularism causing us to ask new questions about how to disciple our children in the digital age. But we can be certain that Jesus is king and the truth of the Bible is still as reliable as ever and that child discipleship gives us great hope. Friends, while we might face unprecedented cultural challenges worldwide and kids are facing a faith crisis of unparalleled impact, from our vantage point, we see God at work. Like never before, we see and believe God is moving and inviting us to bring the gospel and discipleship to children around the globe in new and exciting ways. We want to invite you to prayerfully explore an investment in child discipleship through once-in-a-lifetime opportunities with Awana. Now is the time for us to increase our gospel impact together like never before. Donate today at awana.org slash like never before. I mean, listener, I hope I hope you're learning as much as I am and talking to Jared. The other part of this that I think is relevant is this recognition of the different family makeup and this current cultural moment. So to start with the different family makeup, you know, I would imagine you and you know, you're doing the thing right? You are being so intentional about trying to disciple your kids that you were able to start a whole ministry around it, right? I imagine your wife is also a similar level of intentionality, is putting a similar level of intentionality behind her discipleship journey with, with her kids. For people who are listening to this, who feel like they're just starting or they're trying to make up for lost time, can you speak to the ways in which those discipleship journeys are connected, but unique? That's a good question. I, uh, but first I want to say that I didn't start a ministry because I was being intentional and, uh, and I wanted to teach other people how to be intentional. I started a ministry in the middle of what I thought was going to be a divorce and my us separating and my kids going to be on their own. And that's a true story. I've been ministry over a decade uh, and going through a terrible season. Uh, I won't get into all the details for time's sake, but sure. I've shared this story before. And uh, my wife and I legitimately thought we were going through to a, through going to go through a divorce. Like I was planning out in my head who would take what, who, when would she have the kids? When would I have the kids where we would live? Like that's how we were deep into that process. And my wife was waking up at two in the morning, every morning. And she was getting on her knees and she was praying, God, would you save Jared? Would you bring his heart back to you? And God answered her prayer through, you know, through a variety of things. Um, and so I just want, like, that's my story, you know, like that. And, and so I, I'm, but I'm saying that because God's not surprised by any of this. He's not looking at, he didn't look at my story and be like, oh my gosh, he's not looking at where you're at as a parent. Maybe you, your kids are now 
10 or they're in their 20s or they're teenager, wherever they're at, and you're like, I'm behind. God's not like, geez, finally <laughs> realizing you're behind. Like, okay, let's catch up. Let's let's right. figure out what we can do here. Again, God, God already knows what your story was before that he even created the world. He mm. knows what the story is. He's mm. not trying to play catch up. He's not panicking. He's not trying to like, all right, well, let's go with plan B now because they didn't really figure this out. This is all plan A for God. He knows mm. what's up. He, he knows what's going on. And so um, you just have to like, whatever, whatever happened in the past, whatever you felt like non-intentionality, whatever, uh, you were never a good God anyway. <laughs> Amen. Say a lot for the people in the back, Jared. You're never a good God anyway. And so now that you're thinking like, okay, now I'm going to be, you're, you're, you were never a good God before. God was a good God. He was already working in your kids. He was already working in you. And, uh, and now you're showing up and you're saying, I'm ready to put the intentionality in. God's already been at work. And, and he's just happy that you've now joined him in that work intentionally. And, uh, and he's going to do what he's going to do. I love that. So for your wife and you, are you guys able to like have regular interaction about those sort of 15 second increments or are you guys um, operating from like, you know, in the messiness of this life, how do you guys stay united on the discipleship journey for you yourselves as individuals, but for the purposes of this conversation and what the discipleship process looks like for your kids? Me and my wife have a big picture goal. And the, the big picture goal is that our great grandkids are serving the Lord faithfully. That's our big picture goal. And so we make decisions now that want to help us to that goal. And I literally tell my kids that if not on a daily basis, for sure, on a weekly basis, son, daughters, like my goal is that your grandkids are following Jesus. And so here's what I want you to learn. Here's what it looks like to be a Jesus follower now. And so they understand this is legacy stuff. Are they're, mm. they're understanding we're trying, we're part of a legacy here. Um, the day-to-day -day stuff, that, in, that small intentionality stuff all comes as a result of the big picture goal. Um, and so uh, let me just say this too. Uh, one time my son, we, we ran to the grocery store really, really quickly. We just had to grab something on the other aisle across, like across the aisle from us. Um, I could hear a husband and wife arguing and the wife said, um, I will never forgive you for this. She's talking to her. It was like a dramatic scene in the grocery store. I'll never forgive you for this. We could hear it. And so I get down on my son's level. And I think this is a 15 second moment. So I get down on his level and I say, son, just know I will always forgive you for anything because Jesus has forgiven me for everything. And I was like, this is a really teachable moment. My son got tears in his eyes and I'm like, holy cow, like this is working. Like finally, <laughs> the, the, the dots are being connected here. And, uh, and my son just looks at me. He didn't say anything. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm so impressed in the moment and like in myself. And he says, daddy, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. It's an emergency. And I'm like, he did not, literally didn't kept capture anything. He wasn't listening to a word I said. And so I say that because for parents, like, dude, it's just, you're stumbling. Yeah. You're going to, I try to do this like as many times through the day, nine out of 10 times, my kids aren't even catching any of it. You know? That's amazing, dude. But we just stumble our way. How can I point my kids to Jesus as many quick times as I can throughout the day? Well, and I mean, like to really boil that hilarious story down to a practical level, you are doing your discipleship duty or your discipleship process of responding yeah. to God's mandate on you as a father in that moment. God is going to work on your kids independent of that. 
So what, if your kid is old enough now to just echo what Jared has already said, if your kid is old enough now to not have to tell you when they have to go to the bathroom, God is still going to be as intentional with them and their discipleship journey as he is with yours. So when, um, the other thing I want to sort of drill into is I love being at Awana during this moment in time. People who listen to the podcast on a regular basis have heard me say this, but there's never been a time where we as an organization, as a partner to the local church have been able to be less prescriptive Mm -hmm. because I don't know what's going to work for your context because the world is a lot more complex than it used to be in in many ways to use an oversimplification. I'm curious how you think about your ministry, knowing that our kids are going into a world. We, we usually use the phrase church of 2050 that, you know, the, church that your great grandkids are going to be serving in is going to look dramatically different than the church that you and your kids are currently serving in. How do you begin to prepare your kids for a world that you yourself haven't already experienced or seen in really any way, shape or form? Man, that's such a good question. And, um, the truth is, dude, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I don't have any massive strategies you know some people i if i look in the future um or try to look in the future some some people say that the church may not even be around as we know it right 20 you know like that you won't drive down the street and they'll just be what church do i want to pick out um the church might look this is like really dramatic and 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 hopefully it's not true or maybe by god's grace it is true i don't know but maybe the church in america or in the west looks like the church of China in 2050. It's like mm-hmm. underground and, and people are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus without getting caught and arrested or worse. I don't know. I do know the church in China is exploding in all these other areas in Iran, in the Middle East, it's exploding. So what I do know is the kingdom is never at risk mm. despite cultural stuff. The kingdom is just not at risk. And so um, what I really want today, if I get too far in the future, dude, I'll trip out. Like I, I start getting weird and conspiracy theorists and sure. I'm just like, I don't know what, it, maybe we just need to buy food and hunker down with my kids, you know, like, mm-hmm. like but, um, but if I just stay kingdom focused, it's like, man, if my kids genuinely know and love Jesus the, the, and they, they know who God is and his reputation in scripture, um, then whether the culture is the way it was a hundred years ago, or it's like Iran or the Middle East or China, um, I just pray that they faithfully serve and believe him and that they know that they're just a mist. Again, they're part of a bigger kingdom story, a bigger legacy. They will come and go just like daddy is going to come and go. Yeah. And uh, But the kingdom advances and they get to be part of that. Yeah. Um, again, I highly recommend folks check out uh, the book, Dad Tired, uh, and loving it. And I also highly, you know, I'm, I've subscribed to dad tired. So I hope you do as well, because I think one of the things that is genuinely unique about your ministry is not only the humble posture that you've taken, but more importantly, the urgency you've put to the work that yes, it is about just these 15 second increments and we all are stumbling through it, but this work, no matter where you're at in the dad process, um, needs to start now uh, for the future of the faith. So Jared, thank you for being here, man. Uh, it is a joy to talk to you. I could talk to you for an- another six hours about um, joys and everything else associated with being a dad, but I'm um, just very grateful for your ministry. 
Oh, thanks, man. If I could just say one more thing, I know you were short on time here, but uh, if I, based on what you just said at the end there, in a hundred years, all of us will be gone, likely including our kids. That's insane to think about. That's in, that that trips me out big time. Hundred years, every one of us are gone. That should be so sobering to all of us that we could just, as a man or a mom listening to this right now, just ask yourself, what am I pers- pursuing? What am I giving time and energy and money towards right now that nobody will remember in a hundred years? And what do I need to start giving my energy to that actually has a legacy impact for generations to come? The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Marlon Washington and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard All Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.